You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1149 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Please take a second to subscribe to the show via your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave five-star ratings. And as always, we appreciate you listening. Today's podcast will be sort of a smorgasbord. We'll look at a couple of mailbag questions on the podcast, some protocol updates, some roster stuff for the Hawks, and we'll, we'll sort of look ahead to Hawks Blazers at the end of the podcast today. A late night game on the East Coast on Monday as the Hawks are on the West Coast for the next four games, three of which are late night affairs Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the first of which coming in Portland. And we'll get into all of that in a moment. First, though, some protocol stuff that uh, changed over the weekend. By the way, if you missed it, I recorded about a 45-minute episode with Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops. Wes is awesome. That was a fun podcast talking about Hawks-Cavs on New Year's Eve, late into the evening to start the new year, wrap up the last one. Also, that got into some other broader topics from uh, myself and Wes talking about Clint Capella and some of the uh, per- perimeter play from the Hawks and the way they've been playing so far, the Eastern Conference, etc. That's still very relevant at this point in time, so please listen to that as well. And uh, this podcast will be a little bit shorter because it's just going to be me and uh, some uh, nuts and bolts stuff in advance of Monday. Okay, uh, to the protocols, and Nate McMillan, the head coach of the Hawks, of course, went into the protocols on Saturday. Chris Gent, the lead assistant, has been around for a long time for Atlanta, was already in the protocols. So all indications are this is going to be Joe Prunty as the acting head coach on Monday, unless something changes in the protocols. In fact, for Portland, Chauncey Billups is their head coach. He's coming out of the protocols for Monday. But Nate um, actually had managed to avoid it so far, but he's going to be unavailable for at least a little bit of time here. Not sure how long, and uh, we'll probably even get even less information on the coaching stuff than the player stuff in the protocols. But for now, I'm assuming it'll be Joe Prunty, who has some coaching experience at the highest level as, a, as an interim guy a couple different a couple different places, and is definitely a veteran voice, so not a first-timer by any means, but um, the Hawks are definitely shorthanded on the bench as well as with the players. Um, speaking of that, though, the Hawks will be having some guys coming back, which is uh, welcome news for all parties involved, from the coaches to the roster to the front office to even the fan base, as I've been hearing from people for the last couple of weeks now. And a bunch of guys came out of the protocols officially on Saturday and were able to practice today on Sunday in Portland. Kevin Herter, Aneka Kongwu, Danilo Gallinari, DeLon Wright, Timothy Luabu-Cabarro, and Sharif Cooper are all out of the protocols and all expected to play on Monday. Now, uh, we don't know at this point in time whether they'll be uh, limited at all with uh, coming back from the protocols. You know, Click Appellate said he was still short of breath and kind of battling some symptoms when he came out. Kevin Hurst went to meeting today and kind of uh, was pretty open. But um, those guys are not on the injury report at all, so I'm expecting all of them to play or at least be available to play on Monday. Um, but that's uh, four guys from the rotation to start the season, uh, obviously with, a, with Herder, Akongwu, Gallinari, and DeLon Wright, plus another rotation-level guy in TLC. And then Sharif, of course, is a high, is a high uh, pedigree, high upside prospect. So... A nice infusion of talent coming back for the Hawks. Herder did speak today, and uh, by the way, Prunty did not speak, so it was just Herder, not, not a whole lot of uh, stuff to lean, to lean there in terms of um, the team side, but Herder was, it was good to hear from him for the first time in a while. 
He was able to get some run in um, in an empty gym in Atlanta, actually, once he was feeling better. So he had some symptoms around the holidays. Um, famously, he tweeted about this a little bit, but gave the entire rundown to Lauren Jabara today um, via the media availability. But Herter basically thought he was going to play against Orlando before, before Christmas. That ended up not happening. Then he traveled to Philadelphia alongside Sharif Cooper. He couldn't play in that game, but he was, uh, Nate McMillan even mentioned this at the time, that Herter was like ready to come in and play if he got a negative test and didn't. And then they went to New York. Separately from the team, they flew commercial because they still had some, some sort of uh, lack of clarity on their tests. But Cooper and Herter went to New York, and then they were testing positive before that game. So at that point in time, on Christmas Eve, Herter and Sharif Cooper apparently drove from New York to Atlanta uh, through the night, basically. So uh, before to, to sort of get home before Christmas and be able to watch the game at home and be able to be comfortable in their own home. So um, obviously a wild one there. It's been a few days now, you know, about a week plus since that happened. He was pretty light about it, but still that's kind of the uh, look behind the curtain in terms of the challenges that are facing these guys right now as they are uh, testing. And you know, the Hawks have said, McMillan said a couple of times now that once a guy tests negative, once it's coming out of the protocols, they've been flying those players to the, to the next city. So we saw that with Lou Williams. He actually, I guess, put posts on Instagram that he was getting ready to pack for Cleveland before he was actually out of the protocols. I'm sure it probably was the same with these guys that are coming back now in Portland. But um, that's sort of a look behind the curtain. And for now, we'll expect those guys to be back and uh, definitely bolster the rotation. We'll get into that Hawks Blazer stuff later on in the podcast. But obviously a huge, huge difference in the roster available when you, when you factor in having five or six more NBA-quality players versus what the Hawks had before. And by the way, they're on the road now for still 10 more days. They have four more road games on the West Coast, so any traction they can get on this trip would be huge. And I talked about it with Wes a little bit on, on uh, Friday night, but um, even like a 2-2 two and two split on this road trip would not be the worst thing in the world. Anything beyond that would be gravy. You know, this game, was we'll get into later on against Portland, looks not too difficult in terms of uh, it's always it's the NBA it's nothing's nothing's given but in terms of what you would expect from like preseason to right now between Portland struggling and the absences that they're going to have in that game the Hawks are going to be probably favored in that contest then you go to Sacramento that's a winnable game as well so we'll get into all that later on but that definitely is some some positivity as we get into the rest of this week Okay, before we get to some other stuff, some mailbag questions between uh, sort of sorting through things between now and uh, the rest of the podcast. So first question that I'm going to answer comes from FP, who says, what are, the, what are the details for the 10-day contract, guys? Is there any chance the Hawks bring some of these guys back for another 10-day contract or something else? Um, nuts and bolts here, but three of the 10-day contracts expired already as I'm recording this. I'm recording this on Sunday evening about 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Lance Stevenson and Malcolm Hill had their deals expire after the game on Friday. Um, and Lance actually has already gone to sign with Indiana, so no surprises there. He's, gonna be, he's not going to be around anymore. Malcolm Hill's in the protocols, actually, went in the protocols middle of last week. I'm not sure how they're going to handle that, but for right now, he's not on their roster in terms of either on the 10-day contract or on the official you know, NBA.com roster for the Hawks. So I'm thinking he's not going to be around for a while. He could return for sure, but uh, that's definitely complicated with the protocols and and such. Uh, Wessel Wundu also expired on Saturday. He's a guy that I think the Hawks might expect to always want to keep potentially because Nate seems to like him. They, they played him a lot um, on Friday. He's been a pretty prominent member of that rotational squad when they've been forced to. And he has some NBA experience as well. He's in Orlando, at least a relatively high pedigree guy. You know, former like top forty-five pick in the draft. 
But as of this podcast, he's not been signed just yet. Now, it would make some sense, honestly, to hold off until Monday to sign him if they were going to do it again because you don't want to burn a day on a non-game day. But we'll see what happens there. Nothing is given, but right now, not on the roster either. Now, the rest of the guys are still under contract for at least Monday. Cat Barber and Malik Ellison are under contract for Monday's game. Shawnee Brown until after the game on Wednesday. Justin Tillman expires on Thursday. And then both Cam Oliver and Chris Clemens expire after Friday's game. So as for the question of bringing anybody back... I think that's a lot of that's dictated on how many players the Hawks get back and when. If you asked me that before I saw the Hawks were going to have six guys back on Monday, it would be a little bit more uh, easy to kind of get into the 10-day guys and when they're likely to come back. But uh, it's easy to forget this now because the Hawks have been so hard hit. But most of these teams have only had to sign you know two or three or four hardship guys, whereas the Hawks had you know half a roster full of them. Um, at the end of the day, some of these guys, with all due respect, are not going to be really they're not really NBA players at this point in time. Um, and most of the guys, I think you've even seen that in games. The Hawks have had guys like Justin Tillman and Cat Barber and Chris Clemens around that have not played for the Hawks, and it's pretty challenging to have their roster situation and have those guys still not play. So. Um, I think there's probably a tier system of the guys who could be willing to come back and maybe not, but it'll be logistics. Obviously, Malcolm Hill had been playing, but he's not on the protocols. Do you want to have that situation uh, sorted out in the future? I'm sure you would. Shawnee Brown made two starts, etc. So we'll, we'll sort of come, come through that. But at this moment in time, three of them have expired, and uh, they, that could change between now and Monday. But for now, uh, Hill, Stevenson is now gone officially, and then Awundu are not on the team as of this moment. Uh, before we get to some more mailbag questions, though, including one more about the 10-day guys and some of the uh, contributions that they might be able to give to the Hawks in the coming days, a word from our sponsor on today's show, and the first of which is Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy, Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy and by week three of eating healthy you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar, every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, one more on the 10-day guys, and it comes from Wendell, who asks, of all the 10-day players, which ones would you want to try to keep, if any, for the rest of the season, or would you just let them all go? I'm wondering if anybody stands out to you. So I said this before, but as a refresher quickly, the Hawks' roster situation makes it difficult for them to sign any of these guys for the rest of the season because they have a full roster at this point, and that has not changed. The 10-day hardship contracts are letting teams go above and beyond their roster, but anything beyond the 10 days, they have to still have a roster spot, and the Hawks don't have one at this point in time. So the, the roster is full. There is one pretty easy mechanism for the Hawks to create a roster spot, and that'd be to waive Solomon Hill, who's out for the season. But they like to have Solomon Hill around. You can certainly debate on how much value that has, but for now, he's still on the team. They could have waived him, and they haven't done that. So 
that's the one obvious spot. Also, TLC is non-guaranteed until January, but I'll, I'll just say this. Unless he gets injured, I can't imagine them waiving him because he's just better than the guys that, that they could sign with that, with that with that kind of a roster spot. So those are the two avenues that they could sort of use to create, other than a trade. Obviously, trades are always available to you until the deadline. But for now, that gives you a couple of challenges as to maybe reasons or pathways to keeping any of these guys around. Now, as for the 10-day guys, I think three of them are pretty interestingly, and I think obviously in my mind, ahead of the others in terms of interest and pedigree. If you remove Lance Stevenson, who's not going to be coming back and then seem like, I would say Wessel Wundu, Malcolm Hill, and Shawnee Brown are the obvious most interesting guys for this Hawks team. Owundu has the most pedigree as a former top 45 pick. Hill is the best offensive player right now, I think, because of his shooting. Uh, Nate even talked that up about just having that um, that spot shooter to uh, give. And he actually has some pretty interesting experience as a guy who's 26 years old. And um, Shawnee Brown's an older rookie, but he's still 23 years old, plays some defense, can shoot a little bit. They've obviously played him a lot out of necessity, but he was a guy that I thought was draftable last year. Not going to be someone that I was going to you know tell you to draft in the 40s, but an interesting enough player. Um, those guys, I would probably lean toward Brown as a combination of youth and skill set, but Awundu is the best defender of the bunch. I think Nate seems to like Awundu for obvious reasons because of the defense. Hill's the best shooter, so it's kind of about what they would want if they had a roster spot to, to give up. But honestly, I would just, if they were going to create a roster spot, which I wouldn't necessarily do right now, if they were going to do that, I would just signed Skylar Mays. <laughs> Skylar Mays is better than all of these guys. He's still on a two-way contract. I know everybody's kind of focused on Sharif Cooper, but Mays is the best player of all this entire bunch by a wide margin. So if you wanted to have more control over Mays, maybe you would just go ahead and do that and maybe fill a two-way spot with someone like Shawnee Brown. That might not be a bad idea in my mind, but um, we'll get into that later on if it, if it happens. But for now, to answer the question, um, I would guess none of these guys are with the Hawks in a month. Um, that could change for sure. Or if they have a roster spot, maybe bring bring somebody back. But um, part of this is that the 10-day contracts are meant to be kind of replacement players and hardship guys. So um, I'd expect those guys to cycle through and probably not return if I had to guess. All right, next question comes from Jacob, who says, I was in an argument with someone about this, and I wanted to ask you, how bad would the Hawks be if you just took Trey Young off the roster and did not replace him with anybody from outside? Okay. This is interesting. I actually got this question a while ago when Young was in the protocols and I wanted to stash it for a rainy day. But I thought it was fascinating in some ways because um, the big part of this is that you can't replace him. So it's not like you're taking Trey Young off the roster and giving you like a league average point guard. You're just pulling Trey from the team. And that is interesting. I'm going to assume the Hawks have relative health elsewhere. It's like not, you know, battered by protocols or whatever. So I'm going to say it's kind of the open day roster minus Trey Young and nothing else. So one simple way to look at this would be that the Hawks, without Trey on the floor this year, according to cleaning the glass, which, take, which take, takes out garbage time, have been outscored by, by about six and a half points per home possessions. That's a very bad team. It's like not as bad as, you know, Houston, Detroit, Orlando level. Um, I, I should say really, really Detroit and Orlando are kind of in their own class this year. But that's not that bad. But they're obviously uh, a lot worse than a playoff caliber team if you just go by that. Now, I think if you knew you didn't have Trey, I would say they would change some things. So I do think, broadly speaking, we'll get into more in a second, um, if you just knew and you could game plan and plan for a season without Trey Young, they'd be better than that because they can plan for that. And that's been the case even like when Trey misses games, like full games versus when he sits on the bench. The Hawks have actually been better when he misses full games just because they can plan around it. Obviously, you still want Trey Young to be around, and he, they're still much better when he plays. But in terms of like him on the bench – in the middle of a game versus him just gone for a game. The Hawks have actually been better when he's just gone. 
So anyway, defensively, the Hawks have actually been better with him off the floor, which is not a him on the, uh, him off the floor. It's not a huge surprise. You know, Trey's a bad defender, etc. But offensively, things just crater without Trey. No surprise there. But they're like in the tenth percentile of the league offensively with with Trey off the bench. Sorry, Trey on the bench this year. So uh, that all makes sense. I think that um, again, you can't trade or anything. You just take Trey off the floor. They'd have an urgent need for playmaking. That's for sure. Now, they have some NBA players to play in his place. Like, you got to fill 48 minutes of point guard. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, you have the combination of DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays. Those are your four options to fill those, fill those minutes. Um, maybe you start, like, DeLon Wright with the offensive guys. Like, you play DeLon with, like, Herter and Bogdanovich or Herter and Reddish, whatever you want to do on the perimeter or Hunter if he's, if he's around to kind of juice the offense. And then you kind of have Lou and Sharif – Maybe Scholar come off the bench and kind of choose those units. I'm not going to go down the entire rabbit hole, but I think that you could be competitive. The Hawks do have a deep, talented roster. It's been banged up this year, obviously, for between the injuries and the protocols. But two things are very true here. I think the Hawks would, would be a lot worse without Trey, as most teams would be without their star. Um, but they'd also not be completely terrible if they removed Trey from the roster. Because I think it's been so long now since we've seen the Hawks with all of their guys, even without Trey. But, you know, this is still a roster that if you took Trey off of it, I think would probably still have three, four, five guys in the top 100, 120 maybe, players in the NBA. Like, I think that Collins for sure, Capella for sure. Um, if you get the normal Bogdanovich, I think he's on that list for sure, like top 100 guys in the league. I think both Hunter and Herter have cases to do that, you know, et cetera. So they have more talent than a lot of teams would at the bottom of the East without their best players. But I think at the same time, the best you can probably hope for, um, and you're hoping at least for like relative health and productivity from like Bogdanovich and Hunter, I think they'd be better than the bottom. Like they would not be a bottom five, bottom six, bottom seven team in the league. I could not pick them in the playoffs though. I think there's definitely eight, nine, ten teams in the East that I'd rather have right now if you just took Trey off and didn't replace him. So that's not like an exact answer, but I think that's kind of the range you're looking at. Like maybe they compete for a plan at the bottom, like maybe in that 9 to 12 range in the East if you just took Trey off the roster. But uh, you would need a lot of health and you would need a lot of, you had some offensive challenges for sure. You'd have to kind of rejigger the offense to uh, run through your wings and run through Collins. And um, it'd be interesting. I'd be fascinated by it. I'm not rooting for that because Trey is the best player and obviously the fans of the franchise. But it'd be very, very interesting to see how the Hawks would uh, kind of approach that if they had to do it for a long period of time. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast and a Blazers-Hawks preview for Monday, we're from our sponsors on the show today. All right, so the Hawks will be in Portland on Monday. In fact, they're already there. Now they practice there on Sunday. But the Blazers are struggling this year. You know, they've been good for a long time, or at least pretty good for a long time. They've been, in the Damian Lillard era, a competent playoff-level team. This year, they are really below that level. They're 13-22 and overall. They are 2-11 and in the last 13 games. They lost the last four in a row. And coming into Sunday, the Blazers have the worst defensive rating in the entire NBA. They had about a 114 defensive rating. That is terrible. So if you think the Hawks are bad defensively, the Blazers are worse, like notably worse. Um, they're also dead last in uh, EFG allowed. They're bottom 10 in turnover creation. They basically do one thing well defensively, and it's rebound. So if you're looking for something to have the Hawks be a little bit worried about, it would be the fact that they, they kind of don't let you break down the glass a ton. But... You know, usually Portland is awesome on offense. They've been a perennial, you know, top seven or eight offense in the league. This year, they're more like league average. And given how bad their defense is, you know, if all I tell you is this team is 15th in offense and 29th in defense, 30th in defense, that's a bad team. And that's been the case for Portland this year. They get to the line well on offense. 
They've been good on offense when Damian Dam Lillard plays, but he didn't help their defense either. So um, this is the big thing, and I tweeted this, so I'm not like you know, it's not breaking news here, but the Blazers, uh, at least currently on the injury report that the NBA holds their portal, they're going to be missing Damian Lillard in this game. So both Lillard and McCollum, who's been out for a while, they actually had to collapse long. He's making his way back now, but uh, Lillard's the headliner there. He's not going to play with, um, I guess, injury management with his abdominal issue he's been, he's been battling this year. That's a huge loss, obviously, for Portland. He is their best player by a wide margin. Even though Dave's not been great this year, by his standards, he's still a good player. Um, that's a huge loss. Um, also, both of their best centers are doubtful to play on the injury report. Yusuf Nurkic and Cody Zeller, both, you know, Nurkic is obviously a quality starter. Nurkic, I mean, sorry, uh, Zeller is more of like a high-end backup at this point in time. But those guys both being out would be really bad for Portland. So uh, you could say this, Portland is not good this year so far. And without Lillard and probably without at least one, if not both, of Nurkic and Zeller, this is a very bad basketball team that the Hawks will be seeing on paper. Again, it's the NBA. Anybody can lose to anybody. As we've seen, you know, the Hawks went into went into Philadelphia and won with a skeleton crew last week or two weeks ago now at this point in time. So nothing is a given, but a pretty easy matchup given things. Um, you know, an extra day of rest, travel. It's still a road game in the NBA, so it's going to be tough, but that's all worth considering. On the Hawks' side, in their last game on Friday, they had, they had 14 guys out and 12 guys in protocols. Now it is seven guys out and five guys in protocols. So that's a pretty big swing in the positive direction. Now, obviously, as I mentioned before, no McMillan on the bench, no Christian on the bench. It'll be Joe Prunty on the bench for the Hawks as the acting head coach. Cam Reddish is actually on the injury report in this game, but he's probable, which is a good sign. He left the game on Friday with an ankle sprain at the, on the right side, but the probable listing is probably a good sign. Uh, you know, it's pretty pretty inherent to the listing itself, but that was a pleasant surprise. I thought he might miss a game or two with that, but obviously not too, too bad with the ankle. That's a good sign for the Hawks. The guys who are still out in the protocols are John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Gorgie Jang, Jalen Johnson, and Malik Ellison, and then they, of course, have Solomon Hill and DeAndre Hunter are still out with injuries. So, we don't know about guys like Wes Wundu, who is not on the roster right now as I record this, but he could come back. So we'll go with just the guys that are on the roster. This is what they're going to have available. Again, all of this is subject to change. If something changes on Monday morning, check out Twitter, etc. But right now on the perimeter, in terms of guard play, they have Trey Young, DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, Skylar Mays, Sharif Cooper are all going to be available in this game. Plus they have, uh, for deep, deep, deep depth, they have Cat Barber and Chris Clemens if they want to. Uh, on the wings, you have Herter is going to be back. Reddish is probable, but likely to play. TLC uh, projects to be back. And he, by the way, he, I know people don't always love him. He's a, he's a lot better than the guys they've had so far. Um, and then you have Shawnee Brown, plus, you know, guys like Skylar Mays and Delon Wright can play a little bit on the wing if they need to. And then up front, you have Capella, you have Gallinari, and then you have a Kongwu. So you have three of your opening night Big men, that's a good sign. So, you know, obviously Collins still being out is a huge loss for you, but you do have more of a semblance of what you're supposed to be having in the front court. And then beyond that, you get into like Cam Oliver could play some backup five as he has in the past, but he doesn't need to with the Congo there unless something goes wrong. Um, and then backup four minutes could go to, you know, Shawnee Brown could play there a little bit, TLC could play there a little bit, and you could play Cam Oliver at the backup four if you wanted to. So they have some options, let's just say, in this game in a way they haven't in about a week and a half, two weeks. So, uh, also worth noting that it could still change in terms of the injury report and the protocols. Guys could go in, guys could come out. That's the nature of the beast right now in the NBA, so keep that all in mind as well. But that's what we know right now as of about 10 p.m. on Sunday. Um, no one is listing a point spread, including our friends at Atlanta AG, for the game on Monday, perhaps because of the uncertainty with Nurkic or the protocols, etc. These night-before spreads are a little bit few and far between right now with all of the uncertainty around the league. But 
I will say this, if the rosters as of this moment in time hold up, I would expect the Hawks to be favored and they should be favored on the road. You know, it doesn't take it's not something I say lightly to be favored against a usually competent opponent, but Portland again is struggling and the loss of Dame is just astronomical for the Blazers. So, um yeah, a pretty good spot and then you go, you know, the Hawks play on Wednesday and Sacramento is another good, another spot that's winnable too. So, you know, I talked about this with Wes on the podcast on Friday about how 2 and 2 be a really good result on this road trip. I think, you know, maybe it's like two and a half, one and a half right now because this kind of this game trending in this direction between the Hawks protocol situation and the Blazers being without Dame is certainly like a, a pretty big swing in their favor in terms of, you know, win probability, et cetera. So we'll have all of the coverage of the games as always. I know that on these West Coast games, people sort of listen to the podcast even more to like hear what happened because um, I know people can't listen. I mean, can't watch all, all these games live when they start at 10, 1030 at night. So I'll be doing that for you. I'll have a new podcast after all these games. It'll be up first thing for your morning commutes this week as people return to work after the holiday, etc. So please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other places that you might like to find podcasts. Please leave five-star ratings. I know Spotify has a rating feature now. Five stars uh, if you really enjoy the podcast as well as Apple. If you're a new listener and you uh, don't want to rate us just yet, I understand that. But hopefully you will keep supporting the podcast and subscribe to the show as well as telling your friends and your family and people that you know that might be Hawks fans that could be interested in the show. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. And we'll see you after the game on Monday night.